0: Welcome to the Power Podcast and our 2020 theme, Power Perspective. I'm your host, Malia Warner, discussing topics to help you elevate life by seeing things in a new way. Hello, my friend. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. I hope you are doing well. What do you know about mental health? What do you know about maternal mental health? May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This first week of May is Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week. And Wednesday, May 6th is World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day. It's unusual to have a globally agreed upon day of recognition. These are important issues, and that's why today in episode 68, we are talking about three mistakes we often make in our approach to mental health. And this episode turned out to have so much content that I'm actually going to divide them into two episodes and break them up into two weeks. I like to keep the episodes around 20 minutes and under 30 minutes. So anything that goes over 30 minutes, I just go ahead and divide into two episodes if I can. So today's episode is going to cover the first of these mistakes and then tune in next week for numbers two and three, but I will go ahead and introduce them all today. Maybe you don't make these mistakes. I'm sorry if I've falsely caught you up in my net of hasty generalization. If so, bravo for you. But most of us have been raised with images and stigmas surrounding mental health, which cause our instinctive first responses to be unhealthy and to actually compound the stigma and complicate the issues. Perhaps I should say these reactions aren't mistakes so much as they are misunderstandings. Most of us respond to mental health issues in the only way we know how, in the way we've been programmed. But Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. And that's the goal of today's episode is to increase our perspective about the way we tend to respond to mental health issues so that we can be more conscientious and move out of our old programmed or trained responses and step into more proactive, more effective responses. Sound like a plan? First I have to say right off the get go, you know that I don't love the term mental or mental health. It's just such an old term. It carries so much baggage. It's been negatively stigmatized for years and years. So I actually think our first mistake, although this isn't an official one of the three, is to keep calling it mental health. But I'm not in charge of naming global awareness months or coining new social terminology. But just know that when I say mental health, what I'm talking about is healthy brains, healthy hearts, healthy minds. Our brain is an organ. Our heart represents feelings, emotions. Our mind represents our thoughts. And to me, these three elements constitute what is commonly referred to as mental health. So throughout the episode and throughout the month, when you hear the term mental and mental health, think of the health of your brain heart, and mind, as well as the health of the brains, hearts, and minds of your loved ones. So with that foundation clarified, let's dive in and examine our trained instinctive reactions and explore more effective ways to respond instead. Here's a warning. This episode is an invitation to be brave, to move forward into courage, faith, And proactive rather than reactive response. To start off with, I'm going to introduce all three, what I'll call the mistakes or misunderstandings. And then we'll go deeper into each of these with stories and examples. Okay. Number one mistake or misunderstanding is ignoring the issues. This is when we don't acknowledge, we don't speak about, we pretend it's not there. We sweep it under the rug. The number two mistake or misunderstanding is fear, our instinctive fearful response. And number three mistake or misunderstanding is the instinct to try to fix it. This is forcing the get well. We need to get you better. We need to fix you. Something's wrong. We need to fix it. Before going in depth on these issues, I need to say that a lot of things have been coming together for me in preparation for this episode. I've wrestled a bit with the script. It's an important topic. I want to say things with sensitivity and compassion. I'm certainly no expert and definitely not a spokesperson for the universal mental health human experience. I don't speak for anybody other than myself. My goal here is simply to do my best to share some thoughts and observations, some perspective. If it's helpful to you, awesome. If not, please find what works for you. In preparing for maternal mental health awareness week this week, I visited several websites. One of those is the Blue Dot site. And on that website, there is a wall of remembrance, um, mothers that have passed away due to complications of postpartum depression. Or these days, it's called perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, a term which I dislike even more because for me, these issues have nothing to do with being in a bad mood. That's ridiculous. A mood has nothing to do with it, but that's a topic for another episode. But in any case, I was visiting this wall of remembrance and reading the profiles of these beautiful mothers who are no longer with us, and every single one of them have left behind at least one child, and in many cases, several children, and usually a spouse. And there is something very tragic, very heartbreaking to me about seeing the picture of a beautiful mother and knowing that she's not here to watch her child, to watch her children grow up and just be here for the everyday occasions that being a mother and having children offer. Also, as April has turned to May, and as I've been preparing this podcast episode, it is exactly three years to the day that we lost my cousin from suicide. And when I say lost, I mean it. It was a loss in every sense of the word. Him not being here is a huge loss. And we are lost without him. I watch his siblings. They're lost without him. I watch his wife and his six children. They are doing amazing. They are examples of working through grief and resilience. But we are not better off without him. And another thing that has been happening is that I have been emailing back and forth with Eric Dykes, the founder of The Emily Effect. His wife passed away four years ago due to complications from a postpartum-induced panic attack. And this morning, just before recording, I had a memory pop up on my Facebook. It showed a picture that exactly four years ago, I was launching MamaLea.com. This was going to be a website to Teach mothering skills, maybe some cooking and organization, though that's just hilarious to think of me trying to teach organization to anybody. But at that time, I had put my book on hold. Um, The story of my journey healing through postpartum depression, I had decided that I had written it for myself as therapy and that I had gotten everything that I could get out of it and that it was time to put it away. And move on to other projects. And I was just, I had outlined a fiction book. I had some other nonfiction mothering kind of things written and getting ready to teach classes and things. And then I heard the news of Emily's passing. And her death was the aha moment for me that maternal mental health issues have not been fixed. They are still very real. And there are real women right now at this moment struggling to get from one end to the other of what just feels like this very dark abyss. And that's when I decided to change the book from being personal therapy to learn how to write it and craft it as narrative storytelling in a way that would let readers experience the story and glean from it what they needed to And in preparing for the publication and release of this book, Lies of the Magpie, which is also coming out in May, I have been preparing an information page to go in the back of the book about Emily Cook Dykes and about the Emily effect. And so I've been emailing back and forth with Eric. He is graciously endorsing the book and we've been emailing pictures and details. And I asked him his permission to read what he shared with me in this email. And this is what he says, Malia, high compliments to you for what you have put together here. Women will connect with your story. I have a deep respect for women's mental and physical health. A comparison might not completely be fair or even healthy, but from my perspective, men don't understand women's health because a man's health is much simpler compared to women's health. You will touch lives with this story. I'm happy to help support you in this great cause. And I wanted to share this email from Eric because while I am personally and passionately involved in women's health, especially mothers, mental, mind, heart, body health, I also believe that men's health, men's heart, mind, and body health is essential and also complicated. And I'm going to share more about that in my examples as we go along. But I just want to lay the groundwork that I believe it's essential for everyone, and that mental health, that body, mind, heart health is essential for everyone grown ups, teens, children, men, women, all alike. So, this is what has been happening for me and popping up on my Facebook and in my memory as April has turned into May. And this is a different month of May for me than I've ever experienced before, as I'm sure is true for you as well. This is in many ways the most calm May that I've ever had. Even with the book launch, I have zero concerts, zero plays. No end-of-the-year programs or dance festivals, no soccer games, no graduations, no spring piano recitals. I was the summer girls' camp leader in my church, and May was scheduled to be filled with girls' camp preparation activities and meetings. Every day, my calendar shows what was supposed to have been happening on that day, because a lot of these concerts and schedules were already in my phone. And I've left them there just as a way to kind of think about, oh, this is what we would be doing. And it's interesting we're not doing those things now. So there's this unique bonus time to think and observe, to pay attention to the little but important details of life that we often blur past. Usually we are so busy rushing here and there that what we don't pay attention to is the people around us, how we see them what we say to them, and most of all, how we hear them. We blur over thoughts and emotions, but it is thoughts and emotions that are the root of mental health issues. So in the spirit of mental health awareness, let's dive in and increase our own awareness of mistakes we often make in regards to mental health. Number one, ignoring. Ignoring mental health as an issue, ignoring mental health signs or symptoms, and ignoring the importance of implementing a regular mental health routine for ourselves and for our families. One of the biggest mistakes that we make is that we don't acknowledge it, don't speak about it, pretend it's not there, sweep it under the rug. So let's talk about why we might do this, and then let's discuss some things we can do instead why do we tend to ignore mental health issues? Because we think if we close our eyes and pretend that we can't see it, then it isn't real. Like the child who covers their eyes when they're scared and then hope that when they uncover their eyes, that the scary thing will be gone. But it's false to think that if you ignore it, it will go away on its own. Another reason why I think we don't talk about it or acknowledge about it is this feeling that Well, if I bring it up, if I'm the one that points it out, then that obligates me to fix it. If I call attention to it, then it's my job to provide the solution to take care of it. And so sometimes I think because we don't know what the answer is, or we don't know what the solution is, we just ignore the problem to begin with. We're afraid of not having the answer, so we don't even ask the question and guess what? We don't need to do this and we'll talk about that. So let's talk about two things to do instead of ignoring. Number one, see it. There is power in witnessing. There is a lovely poem I meant to look up and I didn't that talks about how we are all watchguards on our own tower. So if you imagine, castles from the medieval times and there was always a night watch and they would stand on their individual towers of the castle. And each night watch guard had their own tower to watch over and they couldn't watch over their own tower and rush over to watch over someone else's also. Everyone had to do their own job, but that didn't stop them from calling out words of encouragement to each other in the night. There is power in witnessing, in noticing, and in calling out encouragement. In my family, we just watched Cool Runnings, which is a movie about the Jamaican Olympic bobsled team. It's funny, the old flicks that come up during this time of quarantine. But there's a line in there. The character Jerice is always asking his friend, if his friend ever crashes or something happens, he's always like, Senka, you dead, mon? And Senka will answer, yeah, mon. And it was just his way to check in with him. Just a way to call out and say, hey, are you there? I saw that crash that had to be pretty intense. Like you could have died from it. I just want you to know I'm here. I saw it. Are you dead? No, you're still alive. Okay, good. Good job. It's okay to check in with people with no strings attached. There is a fabulous book called I Don't Have to Make Everything All Better by Gary and Joy Lundberg. I'll link it in the show notes. Most of the time, we don't need other people to sweep in and solve our problems for us, but it is always helpful to know that someone is aware of us and aware that we're struggling, that we're doing hard things. We don't need them to fix it, but it's powerful when they witness it, when they validate it. This is a helpful tip. Check in with yourself. Are you having a tendency to ignore something to not bring it up because you're worried that acknowledging obligates you to fix it. That's not true. Acknowledging validating does not obligate you to take on the problem yourself. This is an invitation to open our eyes and to see what's going on in the lives of people around us and in ourselves too. Just be a witness. And know that you witnessing may be all the encouragement another person needs. So, number one is to see it. Number two is to say it. This year, my husband and I registered for an annual pass for the online master classes. I signed up to watch because there are so many writing classes from great authors like Judy Bloom and Neil Gaiman. And to date, I have not watched a single writing class. What did I watch? We watched Chris Voss's class on the art of negotiation. So Chris Voss says that a key in negotiation, which I think really applies here to our response to mental health issues, is labeling negative emotion. In the class, Voss explains how the brain amygdala is the source of all emotions and that brain scans show that when a person labels a feeling, the tense brain activity relaxes. So if you say something simply like it sounds like you're mad, it sounds like you're really down, it sounds like you're feeling hopeless, it sounds like you're feeling things are out of your control, simple observations and saying this helps the person to increase their own self-awareness and to also pay attention and label what it is that they're feeling. I'm going to refer you back to episode number 13 way back, which is entitled The Power of Naming. This is a fun episode to go to after you finish this and you get to hear a flashback from your childhood listening to the little golden book audio of the Rumpelstiltskin story. There is power that comes in being able to name something. Think about this and just observe this. Notice this in your life in the days and weeks to come. Do you not mention things or name things because you might be afraid that you won't know what to say? This goes back to thinking that if we acknowledge something that we also have to have the answer to it. And so sometimes we won't bring it up because we don't know the answer. The truth is, We don't have to know the answer. In fact, the best thing we can do is to not give people answers, to not try to thrust upon them what we think our best solution for them would be. The best thing we can do is to empower them to find their own answers, to solve their own problems. In the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is about children's television host Fred Rogers, the character of Mr. Rogers, played by Tom Hanks, says... If it is part of life, then it's okay to talk about it. If you can mention it, you can manage it. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. Often what opens the door and puts people on the path to finding their own solutions is mentioning it. So what I'm offering here as a more courageous response to Our instinct to ignore issues is to see it and say it and stop there. We don't have to fix it. We can be an encourager, a supporter, even a cheerleader while our friend or loved one does their own work as night guard on their own tower. Hi, it's Malia. Thank you for tuning in. We are at the end of our 20 minutes, so we are going to stop part one right here. We will pick up next week, next episode with common mistakes number two and three. So I'll meet you back here next week for the continuation of three common mental health mistakes. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, have a good maternal mental health awareness week, and I will meet you back here for the next episode. Bye-bye.